Welcome to It's All Her, the podcast for women who want to live simpler, better lives. I'm your host, Geordie Lucas. I'm the founder and editor of It's All Her. I'm a mum to a toddler and I was an actor in a previous life. Each week, I'm joined by a guest to talk about their life, their work, and of course, how they make life simpler and better. For the latest, head to itsallher.com or follow us on socials. Let's get to this week's episode. Welcome back. How are you? How's your week been? I received some very exciting news this week, which I cannot wait to share with you all. Now, I know I hate it myself when people say this online, but it is exciting. And as soon as I can share it, I will. I think some of you might be excited too. Right, let's get to this week's chat with Brooke Blurton. Now, Brooke has played a really pivotal part in Australian media the last few years. She was the first openly queer and First Nations bachelorette, and she's since grown a huge audience online who follow Brooke's career and personal life. It's this level of interest and investment in Brooke's life that's led her to feel overexposed. I sat down with Brooke to talk about how she regained her power back, why she feels intense pressure as a public figure, and whether it's really possible to find love on a TV show. I started off by asking Brooke how the second quarter of 2023 has been treating her. It's going good. I mean, if I look at last year and I look at this year, um, it's much more, it's a bit of a slower pace, which is good because I definitely was on the brink of burnout. I mean, I was burnt out. Sorry, that let me correct myself. I was definitely burnt out last year. And so... Yeah, this year I'm living in my soft girl era, so I'm taking a lot of things um, at a slower pace, um, you know, and just kind of taking it a little bit more easy um, on me. We're here today to talk about your partnership with with Kemi on her brand new Audible series called Power Talks, and it was basically getting an ear into a bit of a coaching and therapy session with you. I listened to this episode last night and it was really, I, I feel like it's a bit of a side we haven't seen. I mean, you've always been open, but I feel like this was like next level. Yeah, I was very on a different level of vulnerability for me. I think, um, you know, in terms of Cammy, like she's amazing and I've read her book, um, Power, and it's honestly helped me so much just in this first start of the year and about, you know, taking control of your life and you can, like, you know, having control of what you want for your life. Um, and I don't think a lot of people have heard me on a level talking about that and, and they've sort of just seen me doing things and doing and being the bachelorette or being on TV. And, um, you know, other than if you're having that first experience with me talking on a panel, you don't actually really know what I, you know, what my aspirations are or what I would really like to do or what I love to do. If that. What are those aspirations? What, what is your mission and purpose? Well, for me, you know, that was the coaching session and that's kind of what it was getting to, was kind of unpacking that. And I hadn't had the chance to even sit down with myself and actually unpack that until I was with Cami. And it sort of unpacked so much, like not to, to use the word unpack like a thousand times, but <laughs> it really did because 
you know, she's just got a way with um, kind of getting to your core very quickly. Mm -hmm. And for me, I realized that I hadn't unpacked so much trauma and grief. So I needed to really um, dive into that. But then I realized how much I just want to help other people. And, you know, when you work in a space like, you know, social media, it's very self-centered and it's very focused on just you doing this and you doing that it's not a way like yes you're giving to your followers and your people that you know your community that you've built but it's very like very internal mostly and I felt like I wasn't doing enough even though I knew that I was in some way I just felt like I could do more and Mm -hmm. so she really helped me kind of get to a place where I was like okay this is what I would like to be doing you spoke a lot about feeling responsibility and, and it weighing heavily on you. I'm curious if if there's a part of that that, that stems from you are, you're a public figure, but you're also a part of marginalised communities within Australia. And for so many I can imagine that you are like this beacon of hope for what is possible. Is that where some of the pressure comes from? Absolutely. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess my childhood is is a little bit complex in a way that I didn't grow up with parents. So I had to sort of be self-sufficient, be very, I was very independent and growing up, I just sort of looked after myself and my siblings And so for me, my responsibility is always to my family and my community. And so that carry that every day, like that doesn't go away. So that for me, and because being a part of a, you know, community and being Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, we've not ever been casted in a very positive light. And that obviously is due to colonisation and those effects of it. And so for me, the responsibility is changing that narrative and saying, well, we're not all that to the, the particular way that you've maybe seen us, we're not all like that. And there's, you know, and we, and it's just educating people and I feel responsible to do that. But sometimes that responsibility can, you know, be very overbearing and you carry it every day. Mm-hmm. Now, I guess being part of a minority group that, you know, it's, you just feel so, I always feel very proud. I mean, the, the proud and the pride part of it for me is that it comes from the matriarchs of my family, my mum, my nan, um, my aunties. They were all very positive women and very strong and very, you know, had authoritative roles. And for me, that's something that I really take um, into consideration about what would I want for my life, what would I want for my children, what would I want for my community. And I think I step up into that all the time because <laughs> I'm not just I'm not just an influencer and I'm not just you know this person that was on tv I'm a sister yeah. I'm also an auntie I'm a cousin I have so many different roles that I play into and different hats that I wear and everyone sort of does in in life and society but for me you know there's all these different responsibilities that I sort of have to you know and roles that I have to step into and so the pressure of that at points when you're not feeling the best and you're feeling like your cup is like so empty, it's really hard. It's really hard to maintain that strength. You touched on before that you're a real person. I was having this discussion with 
someone today, I think it's very easy to forget that public figures are real people. And I think Jocks on Frillo's passing, I know we don't necessarily know the circumstances surrounding Mm. that, but it is a real reminder that people can appear to have these really glamorous lives, but at the core of it, they are still real people. Yes, and I I like to remind people of that, um, especially with you know, my experience with and experience, lived experience really of mental health problems within my family, within my community, within myself. Um, you know, I'm very open with my following and my, my community that I've built because it's like, well, at the end of the day, like I can only be the best version of myself. I can't be anyone else. And if I'm not taking care of myself, like what am I really putting out there? And I think people forget that the biggest priority in life it should be you first and no matter what I've got going on whether it's life work study you know obligations I come first regardless and that should be anyone and everyone because I know everyone has you might have some children you might have pets to be responsible for and I get that but you at the core of it are responsible for yourself and if you're struggling and you've got things going on then you know people need to take some uh, time they need to learn to take the time for themselves and not feel guilty about it I mean I never I did feel guilt a lot um, about this responsibility that I felt like I needed to you know always be on but as I get older I'm like well I'm actually not always on and that's absolutely okay too because who can be on 24 7 you know, and so influencers and, and people who work in the media space, um, you know, TV hosts, and they, my heart goes out to Jock. Like I can't imagine what his family is going through right now. Um, and, you know, we still have to maintain this media. MasterChefs are going to continue in his legacy. Like I, like, I don't know. You never know what's going on behind closed doors. And I think that's something that I've really, really learned over the years that I've been working in this space, but not very long. Like I'm still very, very new to it in so many other ways. Um, but what I have seen and what I've experienced is that it can be very um, dismissive. And mm-hmm. I think what we're learning is that a lot more people are talking about the mental health, a lot more people that are haven't we wouldn't think that they would are talking about it and I think that's normalizing a whole lot in in spaces that we've never seen that before I personally think that obviously mental health is so complex Mm. um but at the core of it you your mental health is priority over anything in life regardless yeah yeah you recently spoke on your podcast about considering freezing your eggs you've spoken about the loss that you have experienced when you're kind of feeling at that crossroads of do I freeze my eggs to potentially become a mother like what what mother's day is always so hard every year and I think that every year is going to get easier but it actually probably doesn't um because obviously you know it's sharing the love for mothers and grandmothers and um you know, and, and new mothers that are coming. And I think for me, like thinking about motherhood and becoming a mother, I always get so excited. Like I love animals and I love nurturing and I have always been very, very maternal in my life. Like I've basically brought up my brothers. So I'm very capable, I think, of being a mother. 
But, and not like I feel the pressure of having someone, you know, to be with someone to do that. It's just, you know, I'm being realistic with what I'm doing in my life right now and in my career and what I want for to, to for my family and, and sort of to build. And um, being a mother is is probably, you know, down the priorities like a little bit. It used to be very high but now it's sort of gone down. And so I have to be realistic about what that looks like. And so, you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm still young. I'm 28 years old. Um, I'm very much so in my prime of fertility. And so I would really love to consider, you know, doing it now whilst I'm in my prime to then, you know, risking it too much when I'm getting older and not having the the luck or the the flexibility to do that and I think a lot of people a lot of women should actually really consider and um and you know and also think that you don't have to do it with someone you you know there's opportunities for you to to just just to do it and I think a lot more women are, are taking that empowerment if they want a baby I mean Rachel Corbett has led the way in that she's like you know what don't have a partner want a baby let's do it and let's go and it's not obviously easy like being a mother isn't easy and the thing is I think all women who are mothers are superhuman and superheroes in my eyes um especially you know new mums and but yeah and I think for me like Mother's Day it's hard but it's also very blessing because I also have had women in my life that have also showed me that mothering support that I I've always, you know, loved. Like I have had Joe who looked after me when I was in high school. I've got my friends' mums who I basically call my mums. Um, I've got aunties, you know. I'm re- I'm really, really lucky in that sense. Yeah. You spoke a lot with Kemi about feeling overexposed on on social media and within within the media. And we actually had a listener question come in for you, which was, do you regret being the bachelorette because that really exposed you Mm. yeah I I don't regret being the bachelorette maybe I would have preferred at a later time I think for me it was so rushed it was so rushed and I I felt like the responsibility again and the the role to do that because I was like if not now when and if not me who and so I wanted to do it for all the other reasons. But then there was a part of me that was like, am I in a place or like within myself that I, I'm, I'm ready for this? Mm. And there was so much of me saying yes, but then there was still my hesitations of like the not meeting the right person. And not really, really unpacking what kind of love that I really needed um, and who who was going to be casted and who was going to be there. Like the probability of them finding someone as a match for me was very, very low. Yeah. And in, in especially in the cast, every single person that applied for my show was absolutely beautiful, cannot fault them in their own way. Would that look back and say any of them compatible with me as a person absolutely not like and I have to be realistic there are no regrets in terms of doing it and what the show was globally and nationally but being realistic to the whole concept of love it's very complex love is so complex 
and showcasing it in that type of glamorous and very fabricated way was very conflicting for me, especially because my community don't really see love like that. Like it's not as like glamorous as giving out roses and being like, you are the one, like it's not. And that's what we need to be realistic to, you know, and that's the show and that's the format of the show. Like I can't change that. Yeah. The overexposed bit though, for me, it's, it's just, I feel like obviously COVID was an impact of the whole thing and it really didn't showcase enough in so many areas. It overexposed me in some, but it really didn't showcase enough of, I guess, who I am, what are my aspirations, what I'm very proud of, even my family. My family couldn't even be there. Like I had Abby and Amy as my friends. Like I had known them for a minimum of like two years. Yeah. Like these aren't people that know Brooke and know who I am and know who I'm going to end up with. You know what I mean? Like loved my experience, loved you know, what it showed, I guess, genuine queer love, First Nations communities, like, you know, it had the first Welcome to Country showcased on the franchise. Mm. Like that for me, the start of it was enough. Like I I could have walked away from that moment and been okay. (laughs) Just touching on how manufactured the show is, I feel like watching it, of course you would fall in love if every date that you were on was on a hot air balloon or you were doing this amazing, like it it looks like a very easy way to fall in love. Looking Mm. back now, do you feel like what you were feeling was, was real or do you think it was a product of the way the show manufactured your relationship? Mm. I think that's a really, really good question. And because I've studied psych and I also psychoanalyze every single thing in my life. Um, It's 50-50 for me. So I really, really loved David. And when we came out of that experience, like you could just really tell that I was in love with him. I was infatuated with him. I was obsessed with him. I was deeply and madly in love with him. Um, But like to a point where it's like, you've got to be realistic. Like you don't know this person. Yeah. And so every time. How much time had you spent with him? With on the show or after? Yeah, like in the show, like how much one-on-one time had you spent alone together? Um, So David and I actually probably got a little bit more time than most because I knew from the start that we had a connection. And it was the strongest connection that I had out of all of the connections, other than Jamie, obviously, who I didn't choose. Um, and Jamie and I had a friendship. So it was a bit of a different, you know, connection from the start. And out of all the time that we spent, I mean, on camera, not that much, but off camera, like way more than most of the contestants. And I think for me, um, that was kind of the only thing you could really rely on in the the show and and the you know strength of your connection and who you're going to pick and you know he was a go-getter from the start and I don't regret picking him I just feel like I wish that I got to know and got to spend way more time because I think time is such an important thing for me especially genuine quality time um 
And unfortunately, The Bachelorette is in, is filmed less weeks than The Bachelor. And so The Bachelor gets more dates and more time to spend with, you know, majority of the girls, where I only had a maximum of like seven weeks filming. So mm. it was more about the time that we got to spend after getting to know one another. And unfortunately, oh, and fortunately, I guess, COVID, um, we got to know each other really, really well over FaceTime. And that built on our connection and we valued our time that we did spend together. So our relationship foundations were definitely very strong. Um, there was just so much more complexity to it. <laughs> I can imagine. Mm. At It's All Her, we're all about making life simpler and better for women. How do you do that for yourself? Oh, that's really good. That's a really great question. Um, simpler. I mean... Like I was talking about uh, my soft girl era, which yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard of the, the term or the, the phrase, but it's about, you know, rest and it's about doing things that you love and doing things for you. And, and I guess putting more stronger boundaries in place that um, aren't, you know, making you feel uncomfortable or pushing you out of where you don't really want to go. And for me, I think that's this year is about rest and enjoyment and fun <laughs> and I think that makes my life so much easier because if I'm my like you know if I'm doing the things that I love and enjoy I'm probably going to be a little bit more enjoyable to be around um, yeah. <laughs> than whether I'm frazzled and like running around like a headless chook yeah um and I think for, for a whole like you know to all women and what they can do to make their lives easier I mean, just realize your power. I think Kemi talks to this really, really well is challenge, you know, thoughts and feelings. I think critical thinking is really important. I think, um, you know, when I was younger, I used to ask why five times because yeah. I was like, I want to get to the core of why I should be doing this. Like teachers hated me <laughs> because, you know, I was so inquisitive and I wanted to know yeah. everything about everything. And I think that's where women should be. I think absolutely like, you know, if someone's being chosen for something over you, ask the question of why or, you know, why why, why are you doing setbacks and why are you doing more than someone or in business, in life, but also, yeah, make time for, for fun things. And, and that shouldn't be a question of why. You should just do that. <laughs> A great way to end. Thank you so much, Brooke, for your time. Uh, you. I can't wait to see what you you get up to next. And thank you for being so open and honest with us. Oh, anytime. I love the chat. Thank you so much. It was lovely to meet you too. <laughs> yeah, you too. You too. <laughs>